Thanks for joining us today. At City Life, we have one purpose, making it easy for people to say yes to Jesus. We believe today's message will empower you to do exactly that. But remember that church is so much more than a sermon you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life. How many of you are vivid dreamers? Anybody, you remember your dreams? I remember dreams I had when I was high school. And I'm not talking about inspirational dreams. I'm going to do this with my life. No, I'm talking about just weird, crazy dreams. Those kind of dreams. And have you ever had the kind of dream that goes like this? I'm trying to get somewhere, but I can't. Anybody have those horrible dreams? Maybe you're trying to find the bathroom, and you can't find the bathroom. Anybody have one of those? Yeah, especially if you're running around half naked, that's even worse. You're trying to hide. Or you're trying to get to a meeting. Usually anybody else meeting people, that's usually me. It's like you're supposed to be the keynote speaker and you can't, you're, you can't find the meeting. One of the most vivid dreams that I had was one, this was not too long ago, where I was in an airport trying to catch a flight home. Anybody have any of those? Some of you that fly. It's just like where, and it started out in a serious panic. I'm trying to get checked in online. I'm trying to use my phone app. It's not working. And so I'm running all over the place. I couldn't log into my phone. I couldn't get my boarding pass. And I thought, just as I thought I had it, and it's like then, boom, the dream kicked me right back to the beginning. Have you ever had that? It's just like Groundhog Day, if you remember that old 80s movie. The same day just keeps repeating over and over and over. And so it's like my anxiety is mounting because I'm running all over, trying to find. I'm like, forget the boarding pass. Let's try to find the check-in desk, except I couldn't find the check-in desk. And you're running all over. It's like, where's the check-in desk? What time is it? I couldn't find a clock. Every, I couldn't find any of the flight monitors. Anything that looked like a monitor was for some reason displaying movie theater concession stand ads or children's cartoons. It was just weird, and it was just, and it's like, so then you're trying to get, I was trying to get the ground staff, and they were all rude, and then just as I thought I might have had it, boom, I'm all of a sudden in the middle of a shopping mall. I was like, where is the, where is the terminal? Where am I at? And then I finally find a clock, and I realize it's my boarding time, and my flight is ready to leave. Anybody ever feel, just kind of feel like anxious just listening to that? You know, I think it's kind of, A lot of times how we try to navigate anxiety. Anybody ever feel like that? You just, whatever you try, it doesn't quite work. Will this work? Nope. Well, maybe this, nope. What about, nope, 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 done. It's like everything you try to try to distill, shut off, silence, Put away that anxious feeling, that anxiety. You just feel blocked. Anybody ever feel like that? You just feel blocked. It's actually, after a while, you kind of start feeling like the poor little mole in the whack-a-mole game. Where it's like, you really want to come out, but you know know you're going to get smashed by the big bad mallet of anxiety. And you're just like, nope, I'm just going to stay in my hole. I love that whack-a-mole game. It's kind of a great place to work out your frustration. (laughs) Here's the stats on anxiety. Half of our Canadian population struggles with anxiety. They say the average child 
today has the same anxiety levels as psychiatric patients of the 1950s. We're talking psychiatric patients that were admitted into psychiatric hospitals. And there's all sorts of things that contribute to it. One of the, some of the biggest things that there actually, some of the research is out now, is our always on technology, where we are constantly looking at our screens, is actually increasing the anxiety levels, not only in the people that we're looking at our screens, but usually we're looking at our screens because we're too anxious to look at people. Because I don't want to see, but here's the thing. Eye contact with another human being is what actually communicates and fosters a sense of belonging and acceptance. So now just imagine, we have three quarters of a population looking at this and not looking at each other. We have all sorts of anxiety on the rise. We have time anxiety because we're hurry, 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 rushing here, rushing there. We have performance anxiety thanks to social media and all sorts of new gauges to gauge how good we are or are not doing. Anxiety is actually contagious. It's as contagious as the virus. So many of our population are worried about catching. Anxiety is contagious. And what is anxiety? Well, if you struggle with it, you know it's this, it's like being overwhelmed all the time. Sometimes it is this deep-seated thing that it's deep down inside, and sometimes it's just on the surface. A lot of times, it's a person or people that will set us off, and we just don't know why. It's just like, ah, and usually it's people that make us anxious. Isn't this true? Proverbs describes anxiety like a weight. Proverbs 12, 25, it says, anxiety in a person's heart weighs it down, but a good word cheers it up. You know, anxiety, it's like this weight. It's like this thing that you just cannot shake. No matter how hard you want to throw it off, it's like, bam, that mallet just comes down again. Paul described anxiety as an inescapable pressure. You know, he said in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty, 20, he said, that's not the half of it when you throw in all the daily pressures and anxieties of the church. It's, there's a restlessness. Some of the other Bible words for anxiety are, are worry or being troubled. You know, when Jesus said, don't be troubled, there's that, that word he's talking about, don't be anxious. And a lot of times in, in scripture, Jesus would use the word worry for interchangeably for anxiety. But I think what, and I, maybe if you are very much like me, you would you struggle with anxiety. The most frustrating thing about it is how illogical it is. Isn't this true? It's just like, what the heck? Every time... I come up here to this platform, I struggle with overwhelming anxiety. It's stupid. I've been doing this for 28 years. Like, how dumb is that? I have horrible anxiety about being late for things. 
I do. My children will attest. I drilled them. You are the worst. You are so bad for we just got to be there right on time. I drilled it into my kids before they went to their first job. If you are not at least 10 minutes early, you are late. <laughs> are you with me or are you making fun of me? Okay. <laughs> I have horrible anxiety about being left behind. This is partly, I know where this, it's a psychological disorder. <laughs> when I was in kindergarten, my first day at kindergarten, I was picked up at one location where my mom just took me out. I got on the bus, went all the way to school, did kindergarten, get on the bus. I knew the right bus, got on the right bus, except the bus didn't stop at my stop that I got on. I didn't know I was supposed to get out at one other stop with a whole bunch of people, and the bus took me all the way back to the school. <laughs> I know, it was, and the bus driver's like, what are you doing on the bus still? I'm like, I don't know, you didn't stop at my bus stop. This is another time, this is, this is so funny, but it was, it's like where anxiety can be so irrational. I won't tell the other story, that was so stupid. We know being anxious is illogical, true? We know, especially when it comes to family and friends who, you know, they can feel we're getting anxious or we're talking about being anxious and we're just like, oh, like really? You know, and there's a part of us that we know we should know better. We should be able to do this. We should be able to handle this, which just makes us more mad and then we get more anxious, true? It's just like this horrible spiral. It's all the triggers. We can't just reason anxiety away. It doesn't make sense. But when you try to reason it away, this is dumb. You know, especially when the triggers happen, somebody says something, and then you kind of go into either fight or flight mode, and you're just kind of like, why am I doing that? This is so stupid. I should know better. It just seems so illogical, doesn't it? We can't use reason to deal with anxiety because anxiety is often beyond our understanding. You know, and, and like I said, sometimes we can trace our anxieties back to our upbringing or certain events that happened that we know it's like, okay, I know when I was in kindergarten, I got left behind. I know when I was like 10 years old, my cousin left me behind for this or so-and-so left me behind. We, we kind of, there's a part of us, but there's also another part of us that there are often things that we can't explain the why of. We can't, we're dealing with triggers that are beyond our understanding. True? I hope this is resonating. If not, maybe I'm just preaching to myself. But, you know, we've been on this series, Into the Unknown. And there's nothing like going forward into the unknown than a good bout of anxiety. And I think it's safe to say in this season that we are in right now, anxiety is off the charts, even for people who aren't normally anxious. True? We have a whole society that has experienced Four months of trauma. And it's heightening anxiety. And some of you for the first time are experiencing stuff that you just feel like you're in perpetual nausea. And you're like, what's wrong with me? It's anxiety. And see, there's things that sometimes we just can't trace. Like, why am I anxious? Why is this? We can't explain that trigger because it's beyond our understanding. Because actually there's thinking 
There's stuff in us, in our DNA. Did you know there are actually thoughts and beliefs and patterns of thinking in your mind that are passed down to you from previous generations? Anxiety isn't just something we feel in our body. DNA isn't just something physically in our body. There is DNA, there's thinking DNA that's passed down. So there are thoughts rolling around in our head and we can be anxious about things and we can be thinking there is no logical reason for why I should be anxious about fill in the blank. A lot of times that's connected to generational thinking. Thank you very much, Grandma and Grandpa. <laughs> you know, even this is what's really interesting. Mike and I, for our anniversary, we got our DNA testing done. Yes, is that what you call it? Our DNA testing done. Super fascinating. Now I'm like geeking out on all of this stuff, which is great that you can now discover all sorts of ways on how to be aware of this is a bad gene and this is what you can do to counteract it. That's super cool. But you know what else is in your D DNA? Anxiety. They can tell from your DNA because my DNA report came back. You are highly susceptible to anxiety. Isn't that crazy? It's in your genes. We need, there is stuff, man, there is stuff in our soul, in our mind, in our body that is beyond our understanding, which means. We need something. We need someone that is beyond our understanding. We need someone to help us because anxiety is beyond our understanding. We need something supernatural. We need something because when fear and worry and anxiety is beyond us, we need God's. We need something supernaturally, something supernatural that is so far beyond us. Something that is so far beyond what we could do on our own. And this is where the good news comes in because there is a solution. Everyone said, thank God for good news. Here we go. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, Pray about everything. Everyone say everything. everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he has done. And then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Don't worry about anything. How is that even possible? Thank you, Paul. <laughs> You know, and it's really easy to actually read this and think, well, that was in the olden days. It wasn't as bad as it is now. No, you just woke up every day with the very real realization that this could be your last day. See, in Paul's day, it wasn't just plagues, but sometimes you were arrested for no reason except for being a follower of Jesus and you were thrown in. You, what they would do is they wrapped you in dead animal skins, threw you into the arena, and then let the wild dogs go after you and maul you to death. That was a regular, that was the sports entertainment of the day. Forget about hockey. Let's just go watch people get eaten. 
So it wasn't a lot easier. We actually have it easier. But how does this, how is this actually even possible? Be anxious for nothing is another translation. Is that even doable? Oh, yes, it is. How do we actually make this work for us? Okay, I'm going to give you some things that practically work for me. Very practical. Here's the first one. As soon as you start sensing anxiety, don't own it. Don't own it by calling it my anxiety. See, anxiety is not a thing in and of itself. Anxiety is only a symptom of something else. It's not a cause of you wanting to retreat. Anxiety isn't the reason you just want to hold up and you don't want to come out. Anxiety is a symptom, not a cause. It's a symptom of something else. Don't own it. So you can take responsibility for something without owning it. So as soon as you start to feel that anxiety rising, don't own it. Don't say, my anxiety is flaring up. Here's the second thing. Stop and identify what actually is making you anxious. Now, this doesn't mean a deep dive into the inner recesses of your soul to try to self-analyze and try to figure it all out and trying to sort out why. Because here's the thing. When you're trying to understand something irrational, it's only one step until you go over the edge of trying to figure it out that you get sucked into the vortex <laughs> and you don't come out very easily. You know, I'd said that to the staff early on, as soon as probably about day two when COVID hit and everything was shutting down and everybody's this and this and this. And I'm like, you know what? I can't even let my, you, you can be sure, yes, I am very much aware of this, 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 and this, but I can't let my mind go there because if I do, it's over the edge and I am not coming back. When you try to understand something irrational, try to figure out why you get sucked into the vortex, here's what you do do. You do do. You stop, you identify what it is that's making you anxious, and then you bring that thing, that thought, that situation, out of the dark where it has the power to torment and you bring it into the light by naming it and saying it out loud. All it takes is you saying it under your breath. Now, if you're with friends and it would be weird for you to say, I'm really anxious about going inside that building right now. And your friends would be like, you're weird. If you're with friends, if you're at a party and all of a sudden, it's way too many people for you. And you're like, if I say this out loud, everybody's going to think I'm a weirdo. You just excuse yourself. You go into the bathroom and you have a little conversation with Jesus. <laughs> I do it all the time. Jesus, this is what you say. Jesus, you got to be specific. Jesus, what so-and-so is saying about me is really making me mad right now. Jesus... I'm afraid about what's going to happen when I show up at church, at school, at the party, because everybody's going to be thinking about what I did. Jesus, I'm worried about my kid. 
Jesus, I'm worried about, I might lose my job. Jesus, I hate being alone. All my friends are dating. All my friends are getting married. I don't want to be lonely. In the words, this is so powerful, in the words of Mr. Rogers, anything mentionable is manageable. See, when you say it, you break the controlling power of that thing. Number three, and then pray. Look at back at Philippians 4, 6. Let's look at it in the message version. It says, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions. What is a petition? A petition is a specific request. That's why it's powerful to not just say, God, take away my anxiety. Because that's not what Jesus says he does. Specific requests and praises. Praises is simply another word for giving thanks. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good. It will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. You know what? We just sang that song at the beginning with this line. It was so powerful. Fear cannot survive when we praise you. Why are we given instructions to not worry about anything but in everything? Don't worry about anything but in everything. Don't worry about anything but in everything. Praise Pray, give God thanks. Fear cannot survive when we praise you. See, this is how it goes. You, if you are with friends who are followers of Jesus, this is how this can go down. You are walking. You're going into a building. Could be a store. Could be the mall. Could be the arena. Could be a restaurant, whatever it is. And all of a sudden, you start feeling anxiety start to rise up. You don't say, oh, guys, you know what? My anxiety is acting up. And if you have a friend that says that, you can be very kind and say, stop saying my anxiety. You can go, uh, uh, uh. You know what? I think we could just, we would probably just neutralize the whole anxiety plague if we would just help each other. Create an environment. Nope, that ain't yours. Don't own that baby. <laughs> Don't own that baby. But you're going in and you're just like, oh, wait, 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 wait. Just, I know, I know, I know. Hey, you know, I know this sounds crazy. But the last time I went in here, man, you know what? My partner broke up with me. Or the smell of that place, it just reminds me of fill in the blank or that food it's the last thing I ate before my dad died or I know this is crazy but every time I go in there I just feel like such a loser because that's when my partner broke up with me and they told me we were done with the relationship and I just stupid could you pray for me quick you don't turn it into a counseling session you don't start explaining all the whys and going into all the details. You know why? Because the more you talk about it, the more you rehearse it, the more anxiety has a chance to grow in you. See, this is what happens, number four and the last one. You pray and then you trust. And that's actually what thanking him is all about. And see, here's what you might need to do. You might need to do steps one, two, three, all over again in 15 minutes or in five minutes, or in 20 minutes, or the next hour over the exact same thing, not because it doesn't work, but because you are learning to practice trust. Trust is not a feeling. 
Trust is an act of our will. And just like any new skill, it takes practice, man. If you ever try playing certain ball, man, it's just like you try to practice. I remember when I was in high school trying to practice my volleyball serves. It's like I missed more than I actually got over the net. Are you trying to practice your free throws? It hits the rim and bounces off more often than not, but you keep practicing. You keep shooting. You keep aiming. You keep hitting. You keep doing it over. After a while, it's like swish. It's like, yes. Or boom, it's over the net. It's like I got it over. But after a while, it becomes second nature when you practice. And see, the thing with anxiety, we can have years, we can have decades of practicing anxiety by allowing it to control, by allowing it to dictate what we will and will not do, how we will and will not respond, where we will and where we will not go. And we have practiced anxiety so well that we are anxious people. But you know what? Just as easy as you can practice anxiety, in fact, even more so because we don't practice trust out of our own power, out of our own strength. We practice through the supernatural life of Jesus Christ in us. That is the difference between being a Jesus follower and a human being who's still trying to live out of their own strength and power. You will never kick anxiety by going to counseling alone. It takes the supernatural power of Jesus Christ living within you because a counselor can give you all the right information and counseling is necessary and it's important. But when it comes down to it, I gotta draw on the spirit of God in me and say, God, I trust you and I'm gonna keep practicing trust even though I feel like vomiting. But here's the thing, you practice trust enough and you start to feel the results. Just like you practice that free throw enough, you practice lifting heavier weights, you practice certain yoga poses, pretty soon you start getting muscles and you start getting strength where you never had it before. And trust is a strength that you will start to feel because with trust comes confidence, with trust comes security, with trust comes the peace, the wholeness, God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Jesus Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. You know, Paul never said anxiety will go. He just said Jesus will get in the center and anxiety moves off to the sidelines. I want to invite you to stand. The band's going to sing. We're going to sing this song. But before we do, I want to end in this Psalm, Psalm 46, I want to close your eyes and I want you to just receive this as a prayer and I want you to let these words become words in your own spirit, in your own soul. If you're watching online, I want you to even close your eyes as well and just let these words of the psalmist who is struggling with anxiety, Psalm 4610, it says, surrender your anxiety. In other words, let it go. Stop owning it. Surrendering anxiety means I need to let go of my ideals and my opinions and my self-centered desires that cause anxiety. Be still and stop your striving. And you will see that I am God. I am God 
above all the nations and I will be exalted throughout the whole earth. You know, God being God, God being exalted, God being I am God, I am God above all, above all the things that would try to overwhelm, above all the circumstances that would try to stir up anxiety and stir up worry and stir up fear, all of those things that take attention, all those things that take up mental real estate, those are the things. God, you are above all those. God, you will be exalted through all the earth. Can we just say that together, church? Say, God, you are exalted over all the things that create anxiety in my soul. God, you are exalted, and I lift you up today above all things in Jesus' name. See, at the cross, there was a reason he was crowned with the crown of thorns, and there was a reason why he was crucified at a place called Golgotha, the place of the skull. Because Jesus was fully aware and fully experienced every form of mental anguish and torture, of trouble, anxiety, See, when he died on the cross, the power of anxiety was broken. Why do we still struggle with anxiety? Well, because Jesus has given us his power and authority to exercise that and to remind a very real enemy, you've been defeated. You have no power. You have been stripped of authority and you need to obey the truth and the reality of the cross of Jesus Christ. And see, as a follower of Jesus, see, this reality is available for every single person, even those watching or those here in this room, that you're not a follower of Jesus. I'm not talking about a Christian because a Christian is actually not a biblical way of living in relationship with Jesus. It's just a title, it's just a term. It means nothing in terms of a heart condition. See, followers of Jesus follow him in every step, just like we say. He's walked ahead and he walked into the grave where he put our anxiety and he walked back out and anxiety stayed in the grave. And that's where I can anchor myself in. And see, what it means to follow Jesus is to follow him in this reality. Not that we don't ever struggle with anxiety, but, but we have a now a different reality that we can live in. That I can live in peace over anxiety. That sense of God's wholeness displacing worry at the center. That everything about who Jesus is becomes the center. And see, that's what it means to follow Jesus. And I want us all, I want to invite us here in the room, and I want to invite you online to pray as well. Can we do this? I want this is a prayer saying, Jesus, I want to follow you. And we pray this, say, Jesus, I believe, even though I don't understand, all that you did, all that you accomplished through your death and through your resurrection. It was for me. And I am following you today out of life in this world only. And I'm following you into resurrection life, resurrection reality in your name. Thank you for a new start today. We hope today's message encouraged you. 
If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc or fill out the Next Step section on the City Life app. It's an honor as a church to play just a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to seeing you soon here at City Life.